I was talking to my son, Jonathan, who lives in Franklin, Tennessee, on Friday afternoon. And uh, I was telling him, we were just chatting about a number of things, and, uh, and I, said, uh, I said, I'm going to, actually on, on, uh, on Friday night, I said, I'm going to go pick up Grandpa. I was in Southern California on Friday, and, and I'm going to go pick up Grandpa in, uh, in, in Arizona. I'm going to fly to Arizona, and then we're going to go up to Seattle because we're going to celebrate the lives of my dad's cousin, Ruth Ann, and her husband, Howard Clark, who at uh, 90 years old went home to be with the Lord during the last, during the COVID season. They didn't die of COVID, but, uh, and so I, I said to Jonathan, I said, I'm going to go up to celebrate the lives of Ruth Ann and Howard up in Seattle with Grandpa. And then we talked for the better part of 20 minutes. We talked about his job. We talked about my job. We talked about his, his child, our grandchild. We talked about what they're doing this weekend, all sorts of stuff. And, uh, and, and then at the very end, he says, hey, Dad, he says, I got just one, one, one question for you. And I said, well, what's that? And he says, uh, who are Ruth Ann and Howard? <laughs> so he didn't know it all. <laughs> so my assumption is, you know, so at, at some level, you know, uh, the, the Bible says, go and make disciples of all the nation. And I wonder if sometimes we're like, so what, what's a disciple? You know, I, I, I know what a pastor is, and I, I know what a teacher is, and, and I know what somebody who leads worship is, or but, but what's a disciple? And so um, um, as uh, Andrew asked if, I would, if I'd share, um, he, he's running the marathon today, um, so you can pray for him. I'm thinking to myself, why did you ask me to preach on this day? Why didn't you just ask me to run the marathon with you? That would have been a lot more fun. And, uh, and he didn't. He asked me to do this, so you get me today. Um, by the way, I have run two marathons, both the Minneapolis and the Chicago Marathon, and um, they say about marathon runners, if you're going to be a marathon runner, you need to go on the record and tell people that you're a marathon runner. So um, I'm at Lifetime Fitness one day, and I'm uh, telling a guy, yeah, I, I'm getting ready to, to run the, the Twin Cities Marathon, and he said, uh, hey, no offense, but you don't look like a marathon runner. And I said, no offense taken, man. Uh, I wonder sometimes if we don't necessarily look like disciples, but on the inside we desperately want to be disciples. And so uh, that whole idea of going and making disciples, uh, we're going to focus on today, and particularly we're going to focus on it as it relates to um, the Apostle Peter one of those who was closest to Jesus, one of those who more than, than just about anybody on the planet here alive uh, got, to, got to witness Jesus right up front. So a disciple, someone who longs to be with Jesus, someone who wants to please him, someone who wants to honor him, someone who wants to uh, acknowledge him before God and man, and someone who regularly, we're going to see in Peter's life, um, needs his grace. Peter, uh, for those of you who have read, uh, and I'm assuming most of you have um, knocked around the, the life of Peter quite a little bit. You know that his life was just like a roller coaster, up and down and up and down and up and down in terms of just high highs and, and, and low lows. Uh, he witnessed Jesus' teaching in the synagogue. He witnessed Jesus taking authority over demonic. He witnessed Jesus confronting evil and casting out uh, the worst of uh, that which was afflicting people. He witnessed Jesus healing those who were broken. We're going to touch on that uh, a little bit. Peter was an ordinary fisherman. He was a hard worker. 
it was not uncommon to him that he was up early in the morning tying his nets up late at night casting his nets into the sea those nets you read a little bit and you see that they're they're 20 feet wide and 10 to 15 feet long and and uh, and and they've got these these sinkers attached to them so they so they will drop to the bottom of the of the floor of the sea floor um, they were heavy and he was a strong guy he was not a weak willed man and he was not a weak physical man one day Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee the Sea of Galilee um, kind of think uh, Lake Mille Lacs right Jesus sees and Jesus may have seen these guys for a long long time I don't think Jesus did anything randomly Jesus sees these two brothers uh, Simon and his brother Andrew and he says to them follow me and I will make you fishers of men and the very next statement in the Word of God says this immediately they left their nets and followed him so the first mark of a disciple I want to submit to us is that there was immediate obedience to the things of God not fooling around just yes And you think about the cost of that you think about uh, giving up what what they knew fishing giving up their income probably their family income and saying I'm gonna I'm, I'm going this way and now I'm gonna go this way so you can imagine what his wife said Peter's wife said you can imagine what the community thought what are you thinking about you can imagine the the cost of being a disciple the cost of discipleship it wasn't just a few moments a few scenes later that Peter's mother-in-law who had been suffering who had had a fever um, Jesus gets invited into Peter's home and to and to uh, address the illness that his mother-in-law had Jesus went in, lays his hands on her, and immediately the word says, she's made well. She's made so well that she gets up and she serves them. She's been lying sick, maybe even deathly ill, and immediately Peter witnesses that his mother-in-law is well again. Peter's got great graces. One of Peter's friends <laughs> comes and makes her well again. In just a few short scenes later, we see that a blind man is sitting beside the road and Jesus and his disciples including Peter are walking along and the blind man says Jesus Jesus of Nazareth Jesus son of David have mercy on me let me ask you this as a follower of Christ are we at that point where we recognize our own spiritual blindness in such a way that we say Jesus Jesus have mercy on me 
the story unfolds through the Gospels that Jesus looked down and he said, hey, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, I want to see. I want to be made whole. Jesus touched his eyes, got very intimate with him, touched his eyes. There's another, another um, recounting where someone was deaf. Jesus touched his ears. Jesus, with the mute, touched the, 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 the life of, of an individual in such a way that they, they, they were healed. Jesus, you know, he didn't even reach out to touch, but a woman who had been suffering forever, bleeding, completely broken, completely downcast, completely discouraged, year after year after year after year, no help. She had nothing. And she said, if I, if I just touch the hem of his garment, she reached out. Disciples are at that point where they say, I need you, God. I need you. Disciples are at that point where they will absolutely say, if I just touch the hem of his garment. I want to submit that there is, uh, there's power in the name of Jesus, and that power is available to us. Jesus was not, um, he, didn't, he, didn't he didn't candy coat things. He told the disciples, he told Peter, who he actually renamed. His name was Simon, and he, and he named him, renamed him Peter. How would you like that if God himself, the Son of God, said, hey, your name is this, but I'm going to now start calling you this. I'm going to start calling you Rock Man. I'm going to start calling you Solid One. I think that that's what God has for each of us. He may not literally transform our names, but he wants to transform us from the inside out. Jesus said some hard things, and Peter witnessed them. He said, hey, if you follow me, you need to be aware of this. You're going to be dragged before the authorities. You're going to be dragged before the courts. You're going to be flogged. You're going to be beaten. You're going to be persecuted. In fact, it may be that the way I go, you go. You may lose your life if you follow me. He says, but if you lose your life for my sake, I promise you that you will gain it for all of eternity. Pretty good turnaround. Pretty good investment of our lives. Jesus said this also. He says, if they drag you into the court, if they flog you, and then they want you to say, why are you following Jesus? Don't worry. Don't be anxious. I will give you the words to say at the right time. So observation number two, disciples of Jesus, I think we don't need to be anxious about, oh man, what's it going to be like? What am I going to say to that person on the airplane? What am I going to say to my coworker if I actually invite them to lunch? What am I going to say to my neighbor? What, what, at some level, I think that there is rationale that we are prepared 
to give a testimony of what God has done in our lives. Of, I was lost, but now I am found. I was broken, but now I have a place to take my brokenness to. I, I messed up, and now I have peace. I think that we ought to kind of have those bullet points in our lives in such a way that we can share that story. And I think when we have that in our lives ready to go, I think God is willing. I also believe this, that God will orchestrate the circumstances of our lives in such a way that beyond a shadow of a doubt, when the time is right, he will make it perfect what we should say and when. I'm going to give you two quick examples. About a month, five weeks ago, I had just had it on my heart. Um, God, I would like you to expand my friend base. I don't know if it was that same week or not, but uh, shortly, shortly thereafter, um, I'm getting gas at a local gas station. Um, on my way home, I realized that my tank was empty on my way home from work, where I work is down by the airport. And, uh, and there was another person at the gas station, and I just nodded at him, and he nodded at me, and, uh, and I smiled. And uh, I went in. We lived 17 miles from my workplace, and it was 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and so I didn't know if I'd have enough nourishment to get home or not, so I stopped to go get some peanuts and a Diet Coke. And uh, <laughs> I went into the, the quick store, uh, the holiday, and uh, I got those things. And uh, then on the way out, that man walked in, and I smiled at him again, and I said, I hope you have a good day. And he said, hey, he says, thanks, you too. And um, I get, my, get ready to get my car. I start my car, and I start to drive out of the holiday station, and he comes out. He had paid, and he comes out, and he says, he does this, like, stop. And I'm like, hmm, okay. So I roll down my window, and he says, hey, do you have a second? And I'm like, yeah, I got a second. And so and he says, no, I, I mean, could we talk for a second? I'm like, sure. So I kind of stop, pull my car over, and, uh, and I get out of my car, and I said, my name's Garth. He says, my name's Keith. He says, um, he says, I was having a really bad day today. He says, you have no idea what your smile meant to me. He said, you have no idea what it meant to me that you said, have a good day. I wonder how hard is it for us to, to just notice somebody at the gas station to just establish eye contact. I didn't have to study to say, have a good day, right? He said, remember a week and a half earlier what I prayed, right? He, he said, he said would, you, would you want to be friends? I'm like, God is so good to his people if we ask and if we do the little thing. And I promise you, I, I was flying home from Seattle last night, and I, and I said to Keith, my new friend, I said, hey, please pray for me. 
I'm preaching today. Gosh, I wish I had my phone here. Because he gave me some great scripture and great encouragement. And he says, don't worry. You're going to be great. And I'm like, he's right. You know, God's word says it'll, it'll go just fine. And I'm like, what a blessing. So now I have a new friend, and I'm so grateful for that. Amen, 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 right? We see that, uh, we see that Peter noticed he was with Jesus when, when they're like, hey, man, we don't have any food. And there's these 5,000 men and all of their families. What are we going to do? And Jesus said, well, you feed them. And he says, well, what are we going to feed them with, right? And so they, they have these loaves, these, these uh, five fish, these two fish and these five loaves. And, and they, there's this miracle. And Peter witnesses this miracle. Peter witnesses Jesus say, if anybody wants to be first in the kingdom of God, you need to be last. Peter's being shaped just by association, just by hanging out with Jesus. I want to contend that for each of us, we can be that same person. We can be that same disciple just by hanging out with Jesus. I also want to say that I am a way, 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 way better follower of Jesus because I hang out with John right there. And because I hang out with John, iron sharpens iron. I am a better man because his life inspires my life. Because his commitment to reading God's word causes me to say, I want to be in God's word. Because his prayers for me when I'm on the road or my prayers for him when he's on the road and he vulnerably says, hey, pray for this. It's like rocket fuel, right? Two are better than one for when the one is weak and ready to fall away, the other is there, there to lift up and encourage his brother or his sister. Peter saw that with Jesus. Peter saw Jesus say, hey, if your eye causes you to sin, cut, if, your, if, your, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, poke it out, take it out. So it wasn't like Jesus was candy-coating everything, right? And yet, there was power that attracted Jesus, Peter, to Jesus. <clears throat> There was a boy who was having seizures, and the dad of this boy, very, very concerned, says to Jesus, hey, will you, it actually says to Jesus' disciples, including Peter, will you pray for, will you cast out the demons in our son? And the disciples, they took a shot at it. They prayed, God, would you heal this young boy? And it didn't work. It didn't take. Have you ever had that where you pray and it doesn't take? And you're kind of like, man, it may work for that person, but it just doesn't work for me. Right? And does, if you're completely honest, you, you take another pass at it with something else. God, I pray for this new job promotion opportunity, and, and, and it doesn't work. And you're like, you hear that somebody wins a car at a twins game and you're like huh sure wish I won a car at a twins game <laughs> and and you're kind of like huh. 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 
and, and you get discouraged enough that you're like, I'll throw one out there. I'll throw a prayer out there, but I am not sure I'm standing on solid ground. Right? Again, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, Jesus' model was to send people out two by two. Disciples hang out two by two. And when the disciples said to Jesus, how come we couldn't cast the demon out of that little boy? How come we couldn't cause his seizures to stop? Jesus said, because you have a little faith. Truly, he says to you, I, if you have the faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you'll be able to move mountains. Peter witnessed Jesus' anger when he's overthrowing tables in the temple. Peter witnessed Jesus saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, all your mind and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus witnessed all of this stuff. Men and women of God, we get this same truths that we can be impacted by right here, all day, every day, if we will, if we'll pay attention to it. I just want to encourage us to do that. Peter's poema, Peter's masterpiece, the, the, the line Peter is most famous for is this. Jesus says this, who do people say that I am? His disciples responded, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, but who, who do you say that I am? Jesus asks, and Peter says this, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. At which point Jesus said, blessed are you, Peter, because you did not say that. It's God himself who gave you those words. We know that about Peter. Peter says, you are the Christ, you are the Son of the living God. A high, high to proclaim that Jesus was the Messiah, the long-looked-for Savior. Shortly thereafter, shortly thereafter, Jesus had predicted his death. Jesus had told Peter and others how he was going to die. A disciple who was literally walking with Jesus. Jesus is in the garden. Peter falls asleep on him. <laughs> Do you ever just fall asleep? You ever just, just like, oh God, how could I fall asleep? I'm reading your word and I doze off. You ever just fall asleep on your assignment? Your assignment to love your neighbor? If that weren't worse than bad enough, if that was not bad enough, Jesus then does what else? He whacks off the ear of this guy that comes. He is just impetuous. This, this guard comes, these guards come to take Jesus out, and Peter draws his sword and whacks off the ear of this guy, Malchus. And Jesus is like, Peter, put your sword away. Peter, shut your mouth. Peter, grow up. <laughs> and if that's not enough, that very same night, actually early that next morning, 
Peter denies Jesus. Not once, not twice, but three times. Not for fear that he would lose his life because some big Roman soldier was saying, you know this Christ. No, just this little girl said, I think two little girls, two, two young girls said, hey, I think you were with him. No, 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 I wasn't with him. He's just this coward, right? He goes from, you are the Christ, to I don't know who he is. I don't have a relationship with him. Is that your life? That's my life. I promise you, highs and lows and highs and lows. And uh, I, I think that some of us get stuck. We're not disciples, and consequently we're not disciple makers because we feel like, oh man, <laughs> I have messed up so many times. I can't. I can't. I wonder what it would take if we just kind of reconfigured our lives in such a way that like Peter... Relying on the Holy Spirit, which we find out in Acts chapter 2. I'm going to open up Acts chapter 2 just for a moment. When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying they saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit gave them the ability for speech. People are speaking all sorts of different tongues. Peter himself is gifted with the Holy Spirit at that moment. And you see from that moment forward that whatever was weak-willed, whatever was impetuous, whatever was not self-controlled in Peter's life, because he had bumped up against Jesus for so long, he became just a powerhouse for the Lord Jesus Christ. We have that same Holy Spirit that's alive in us, that same Holy Spirit that can do work in us, and to the extent that uh, we would want that, to the extent that we could be disciples of that same Lord, I want to encourage us that we can. What I want to do right now is I just want to challenge you. I want to challenge you with four things. Number one, are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you going hard after Jesus? And if not, do you want to maybe rethink that? Number two, are you in relationship with somebody else that will help you be a disciple of Jesus? Are you in a relationship with someone that will encourage you in your faith walk? Number three, is there somebody in your world that you might be just thinking about, thinking, you know what, I, I would love to see them know the Lord, walk with the Lord be a disciple. I, I would love that they come into the kingdom of God. And you're going to just say, I'm, I'm going to pray toward that end. Are you a disciple? Do you have somebody that's spurring you on in your relationship with Jesus? Do you have somebody on your heart that God will lay on your heart? And I believe that God will do that for all of us. Lay somebody on our heart. 
And when you say, boy, I'm not prepared or I'm not, you know, I'm not, just push that aside. And then finally, um, are you being discipled? Is there somebody that, you know, maybe our, our word is mentor, you know, but is there somebody that's spurring you on in your faith in such a way that you are encouraged? So whether you're 12 or 22 or 92, um, let us be found faithful. The testimony at the celebration of life for Ruth Ann and Howard Clark yesterday was one of faithfulness, one of loving God's people. They did a great job with their family, but they did a great job with lots and lots of others as well. Here's what the Word of God says. But you, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. God, thank you that you have called us out of darkness. Thank you that you have called us into your marvelous light. God, we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. That is your name above all names. That you have called us unto yourself, God. And for the one or two or three who are here this morning who have not yet said, I want to... I want to go after God hard. I want God to, to take my life. God, would you just hear the prayer of their heart this day and would you just enter into their heart and uh, let them recognize the need for a Savior and walk with you. And we'll give you glory for that, God. In the name of Jesus, amen.